Well, nice to be back with you here at Terra Road Bible Chapel, and I always appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, minister to the saints from the Word of God, and I've been doing that for a number of years and always appreciate it. I'd like to uh, read the verses that were assigned to me. It's from James chapter 3, and verses 13 through 18. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God will certainly add his blessing to the reading of his word, and his uh, word is to be obeyed all the time. And so we should take heed to the things that we've read. Well, this section deals with uh, two types of wisdom, the wisdom from God and the wisdom from man, and both are described and they give us a sense of what that type of wisdom is all about. It's part of a broader section here in James that talks about the reality of our faith. You've already gone through a couple chapters, but in chapter one, uh, the test for real faith in God is obedience. That's the subject pretty much of uh, chapter one dealing with temptations. We go through temptations. What do we do when we go through temptations? We turn to the Lord and obey his word. And so that's a test of obedience uh, to the Lord and really showing the reality of our faith. The chapter ends up in chapter one with saying, what is real faith? What is real religion? Well, it's to keep them oneself unspotted from the world. And of course, to take care of the needs of others like orphans and widows. Chapter 2 talks about the test of brotherly love and further on to good works and talks about what real faith is all about. Not something that is just imagined, but something that is really practical in the life of every person who subscribes to uh, walk by faith. Chapter 3 talks about the test of uh, controlling the tongue. Uh, I remember telling the accounts uh, one time I got up on a platform and I said as I introduced the message, I'm going to talk to you today about the member that has caused the most damage here. And of course, uh, for the first time in my life, I think I saw everybody perk up when I introduced my message. And they were thinking, I'm sure, what is he going to talk about? Who is he going to identify? Who is he going to put the finger upon? And uh, then I explained chapter 3 that the tongue is a little member from verse 5 and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And so uh, that was, I remember, very <laughs> clearly getting a good response in my opening comments, talking about that little member in the local church that causes so much problems. Well, that little member is a tongue, and that shows reality to our faith. We're able to control that. We control great things, but if we can't control the tongue, there's real no uh, reality to our faith. And then in that same chapter, chapter 3, is the portion that we read, talks about what is real wisdom. Uh, man has a whole different idea of what wisdom is all about. They figure if they have a lot of degrees behind their names or their uh, behind their name, or if they uh, have uh, graduated from a certain institution or sat at the feet of a certain individual, that they're wise people. 
And the world even has the idea that if somebody dresses in a funny way and speaks in dark sayings that we can't even understand, well, that must be a wise person. And not really discerning that probably that person doesn't know anything at all, but uh, he gives the appearance of wisdom. But uh, here in this chapter, chapter 3 and verses 13 through 18, we have a description of what is real wisdom and how is that manifest in a person's life and uh, how does it work itself out in a practical way. And then further, uh, how does it contrast with the wisdom of the world around us? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Uh, he says also, Paul does in that section, uh, the world by wisdom knew not God, their own wisdom. They didn't even know God. So there are two types of wisdom, man's wisdom and God's wisdom. And that's what this portion brings out. Now, the first uh, portion of this, verse 13, talks about uh, the source of God's wisdom. It says in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And so it highlights the characteristic, the character quality of meekness, the meekness of wisdom. And so right here, God is emphasizing that if somebody is uh, proclaiming themselves to know something, it's got to be rooted in the meekness of wisdom. Uh, there is a correlation between wisdom and meekness. Uh, in uh, Psalm 25, verse 9, the uh, psalmist David said, The meek shall he guide in his way. And so when a person is meek, they are uh, available for God's wisdom because they're not uh, putting themselves first. Meekness is just the opposite of self-seeking, which is going to be described in the next verse or two. So the idea is that when a person is meek, uh, that's going to manifest itself. It's going to show them itself in that person's life, and it's going to be shown by good works. That's what the verse says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Here's the test. Here's the real test for true faith. Here's a, a test of true belief in the Lord. Is there uh, wisdom? Is there understanding? Well, let's describe what that's all about. Let him show by good, a good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And so God is exhorting us here that we should, number one, be showing good works. And then when we show good works, we should be doing that in the meekness of wisdom. We can think of other various instances in the scriptures of those who demonstrated good works. Think of uh, Dorcas, also called Tabitha in the book of Acts. And uh, she was a well-loved uh, individual. People really appreciated her. And at her death, uh, the people that were at her uh, funeral uh, brought out the things that she had done for them. Uh, and she had done some great works. And she's highlighted as someone who's doing great works and very much loved because of that. And uh, not self-seeking, but looking for the benefit of others. And that's what uh, this verse is really talking about. It's talking about showing meekness of wisdom, how important meekness is. It's so important that in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, it says of Moses that he was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. And we often equate meekness with uh, some sort of weakness. But uh, really, the character quality is someone who is not self-seeking, not someone who is pushing themselves and uh, in front of the line. We all want to be in the front of the line, and maybe that's why we have such problems. But uh, God here says that we should have the meekness of wisdom. And it's only fitting because the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. We think of the Lord Jesus. He is the one that uh, could do anything.
performed all these miracles, tremendous works that he did on earth, and yet it says that he was meek and lowly of heart. And so we should follow in the steps of the Lord. First uh, John chapter 1, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, talks about uh, the disciples of John the Baptist. When they saw the Lord walking, when they saw his meekness, when they saw that characteristic in his life, they said, Behold the Lamb of God. And so we should walk as our Savior walked. First John 2, 6 tells us that. So we need to be walking like the Lord, walking in his steps and uh, exercising meekness of wisdom. And when we do that, that shows a reality of our faith in the Lord. And so here's again the reality test for the believer. But that's the source of God's wisdom, the meekness of wisdom. Uh, in the following verse, in verse 14, we see the substance of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is so opposite of that. It says in verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts and do not boast, uh, do not boast and lie against the truth. Uh, here, the wisdom of man is contrasted. When we think of the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God, you think of somebody who's a wise man of God. They're, they walk humbly. They walk softly. They um, acknowledge the fact that their lives are in the presence of the Lord. They're not self-seeking. They're not pushing themselves ahead of others. In contrast, though, those that are wise in this world are looking for accolades. They're looking for acknowledgement. They're, uh, they have that self-seeking in their hearts. And so we're exhorted in uh, Jeremiah chapter 45, uh, do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Because uh, if you do, then you'll not have the things that uh, we want to have from the Lord, the, the wisdom that comes from above. Uh, there's another verse again in Psalm 25 that says that uh, the meek will he guide in judgment. That's one thing. And the fear of the Lord is with those that, uh, that respect him. The secret, rather, of the Lord is with those that fear him. And so we want to have the wisdom that's from above. And that comes from meekness. And when someone is meek, when we're dependent upon the Lord, then the Lord is only too happy to help us in that matter. Uh, the book of James opens up in chapter 1 with that very thought. Uh, it says in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given him. So God uh, delights in the fact that we would want wisdom. And uh, we should be wanting that. And, but what is this wisdom? It's not uh, the things of this world. It's not the uh, accolades of the world. It's not the credentials of the world. It is walking closely with the Lord. And I always love that verse. This is a great verse. If you don't know this, it's worth jotting down. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. That's what man does. They glory in their wisdom, their achievements, educationally, everything else. Let not the man glory in his wisdom. Neither let, him, let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. All those things come from the Lord. But the, the man of the world doesn't acknowledge that. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. And so that's what we want to delight in as well, the wisdom that comes from above. Not thinking of ourselves, but looking to help others and uh, certainly uh, promote the things of Christ. So the substance of man's wisdom 
is bitter envy and self-seeking. They want to be in first uh, in everything, and they want to be uh, out front. They want to have the uh, acknowledgement of people, and they seek the applause of man. In Luke chapter 18, it talks about the uh, Pharisee who went to the temple, and he prayed, and he said, well, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Um, he ran down his little list of all his achievements. But uh, it's interesting that, uh, as he's described, he says he prayed within himself. That was just a prayer that only reached his, his himself and no further. But rather, there was the, the publican, the sinner, who uh, smote his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so uh, God uh, favored that person because of the meekness that he had, because of their acknowledgment of the Lord in his life. And so we need to have that as well, not have the world's wisdom uh, as the world counts wisdom here in verse 14. Where is the source of that? That's the next thing in verse 15. Uh, this wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly and sensual and demonic. Uh, notice the wording here. It does not descend from above. It doesn't come down from heaven. Instead, it ascends, which you often think of in a positive way, ascending, but it ascends from beneath. And so it says it's earthly, sensual, demonic. Uh, the wisdom of this world, we don't pour our lives into the, the wisdom of this world. Uh, the, this world, it says in 2 Peter 3, these works of the world will be burned up. Those things won't matter. Man glories in their wisdom. You have the great library of Alexandria over in Egypt and other great uh, cities of the world and the glory of those cities and the culture and uh, everything that uh, epitomizes the city and man's achievements, God says in Second Peter chapter 3, they'll all be burned up. So what's the sense of investing our time in the things of this world and the wisdom of this world? Rather, uh, invest in the Word of God. That's why we've named the ministry that we have, Know the Word, because we want to encourage Christians to be solid in the Word of God and know the Scriptures because uh, that is how we have an audience with the Lord. That's how Elijah could stroll onto the scene of Scripture and say before wicked queen, uh, King uh, Ahab and also with Jezebel. And he would say to, to Ahab, he says, Bef just before I'm standing before, just as if I'm standing before the Lord, he says, not going to be any rain these three and a half years. He had an audience with the Lord and uh, power with the Lord because he had the wisdom of God in his life. And that's what we want to have. You don't need to have a, a great education. There's nothing against education. There's nothing wrong with education. It's if it's received in the meekness of wisdom. And so uh, the uh, emphasis on the world is to have all these credentials, all these achievements. And yet that's not what the Lord delights in. He delights when we glory in him. And so uh, we want to have the wisdom that's from above, not the wisdom that is from beneath. And it's earthly, it says in verse 15, earthly and sensual and demonic. Earthly, it focuses on the things of this world. That's the earth. And it's sensual. Everything is sensual revolves around the things of the flesh. And then, of course, demonic is the devil's realm. So there you have it, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all three. That uh, trinity that just feeds self. And it feeds the desire to be seen and to be acknowledged and all the rest. And a lot of us have that in us. And part of the walking with Christ is to identify these things in our lives and judge them in the presence of God through prayer and through Bible study and through the hearing of the word and 
the preaching of the word. We identify these things and we say, Lord, I need to have this area in my life dealt with and I have to do it. God gives us the responsibility to deal with that. We all would want God to uh, take care of the matter instantly in our lives, but really we have to do it. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, it says in Colossians chapter 3. We have to take that sword and we have to do that work. And in Joshua chapter 5, is it that uh, just before they were coming into uh, the land of Canaan and had to deal with uh, the battle at Jericho, they had to apply the sharp knife upon themselves, upon the works of the flesh, so that they would have victory in their lives as believers. And when they went to do battle against this strong fortification, the stronghold of Jericho, they soundly defeated it because they were walking with the Lord and they were doing things his way. And that's what we want in our lives as well. So it's uh, not to be wisdom that comes from below, but we want wisdom from above. And the wisdom from below is always dealing with self, always dealing with our, our physical appetite. And uh, it, it even penetrates into the realm of the devil. So uh, earthly, sensual, demonic, the world of flesh and the devil. And of course, if we do these things, it says in verse 16, envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And it's only a fitting description of what that type of wisdom, that type of lifestyle is all about. But look at the uh, substance of God's wisdom. So we looked at the source of God's wisdom, now the substance of God's wisdom. We looked at the source of man's wisdom and the substance of man's wisdom. These are the things that are covered in this portion. And the substance of man's wisdom is given to us in verse 17. And it's no, no accident that there are seven different characteristics. That's seven, that number seven, as we know in Scripture, is a number of completeness. And we see it uh, laid out for us right here in verse 17. The wisdom that is from above is, number one, first pure, and then peaceable, and gentle, and willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. There it is, seven different characteristics of the wisdom that is from above, the substance of God's wisdom. And what is that wisdom? What is the thing that God delights in? What is it that's going to give us joy? What is going to give us a sense of purpose? What is it that's going to really make the difference in our lives? And God here tells us the first thing is pure. Unto the pure, all things are pure. And so uh, those have had their hearts cleansed through the blood of Christ. Uh, they are made pure, and uh, they then seek the things that are above. Colossians chapter 3 talks about setting our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, and then Christ who is our life, when he shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. We're going to be with the Lord all the time, and so therefore we invest pour our energy and our lives into things that really matter for eternity. Why is that? Because one day we'll be evaluated. We'll be evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So why invest in something that is going to be burned up? Why invest in things that don't matter? We want to have the, the gold, silver, precious stones. We don't want to have wood, hay, stubble. That'll get burned up. We'll be saved if we're believers. We know Christ is our Savior but we don't want to invest in things that really don't matter, even in the Christian life. Uh, Paul said to the Philippians, he said, I want you to approve the things that are excellent. He didn't say the things that are okay. He said the things that are excellent. You 
approve the things that are excellent. And that's what we need to do in our lives as well. And so uh, the wisdom that is from above, in contrast to the wisdom that's not from above, that does not descend from above, that wisdom is first pure and then it's peaceable. It gets along. It works along with people. Uh, we might say someone's a team player. Uh, it is gentle. It's not uh, pushy. It's not abrasive. It's not argumentative or contentious. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. That's meekness. That goes back to that first verse in this section, verse 13. Uh, show that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Uh, full of mercy and good fruits. Understanding that there are people that uh, may have some difficulties. And so there's mercy that's shown here. That's, that's the work of Christ. That's the compassion of Christ coming through in the life of the believer. Uh, there is no partiality. That takes care of a lot of problems in our society. If we get the gospel out and people get saved, and hearts are changed, that's how you transform society. Billy Graham tells a story that there is a difficult puzzle, two-sided puzzle that someone was asked to put together. And one side was the globe and the other side was the picture of a man. And uh, the person who was trying to put this puzzle together started by putting, trying to put the world together and they were having a problem with it. The guy says, no, just flip everything around and put a man, put the picture or the portrait of the man together. And that's how we do it. One person at the time. That's how you put the world together. You put the, 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 the person, you find the uh, person that finds wholeness in Christ. John chapter 5 at the pool of Bethesda, Christ said to the man, do you want to be made whole? Uh, he was thinking that if I jumped into the water, I'll be uh, healed of my problems, my paralysis. But the Lord was looking at a bigger picture. And the, the way that we become whole is by trusting Christ and coming to him and uh, making sure that we're following him after we become a Christian. As you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him. So we received him by faith. We walk by faith. And that's what we need to be doing in our lives all the time. And yet it's easy for Christians to forget these things. And that's why God has given to us his precious word. And so uh, no hypocrisy either. There should be no uh, double life that should be lived. And that's what James talks about. This theme is consistent all the way through the scriptures. It says, uh, let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, for he that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. Let that man not think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And so we need to not we need to make sure that we're not being hypocritical, that we're consistent in our lives. And, and the Lord speaks to all of us about these things. There's, there's no one perfect. There's no flesh that's going to glory in his presence. All of us have to work uh, with the Lord and ask the Lord to help us in getting those things, root out those things that are not pleasing in our lives so that we are indeed pleasing. And the more we do that, the greater joy that we'll have in the Lord. And so we have a great incentive, joy of the Lord, crowns waiting for us in heaven if we do things God's way. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Another quality and characteristic of the wisdom that's from above is a, a person's a peacemaker. The, the fruit of righteousness, that which results in, in people getting saved, that's one part of righteousness. And then good works, that's another part of righteousness, the outward uh, the working out of that righteousness, that comes when peacemakers sow peace, when they take that peace and they sow it in the lives of other people. You know, I've come across a number of people in my Christian experience, and you can always tell someone who's 
really walking with the Lord. They have a desire to uh, help others. They reach out. They encourage others in the Lord. There's, they're merciful and they are kind and they're tender-hearted and they have a desire to seek peace wherever they go. And that's only fitting because we serve the Prince of Peace, the one who uh, has brought peace. And so that should be our desire as well. Well, in verses 13 through 18, we have two types of wisdom, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And these two are polar opposites. And God says, follow the wisdom of the world. Solomon said the same thing. What did he say? He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Psalm 119 talks about the same thing. All the wonderful wisdom passages that we have in Scripture. We follow the Lord and uh, we'll be wiser than our teachers, it says. Wiser than the Asians. Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 100 tells us that. And so maybe I'm speaking here to someone who's never trusted Christ as Savior. The Scripture says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the source of wisdom. In 1 Kings chapter 10, there's the account of the Queen of Sheba who made a visit to uh, visit the kingdom, the glorious kingdom of King Solomon. And she'd heard of great things of Solomon. And so she came to prove whether he could answer all her questions. And when she asked him of the questions that she had, that she couldn't have her wise men uh, in her own kingdom resolve, uh, he was able to answer them. And there was not a question that uh, she asked that uh, he could not answer. And the scripture says, greater than Solomon is here. And that greater person is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's greater in so many ways. He's great in his love. He's great in his mercy. He's great in his power. Uh, he is the great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you've never trusted him as your personal Savior, you put your faith and trust in him, God will give you the wisdom that you need. And uh, if you just simply ask him for it, he will give it to you. And then uh, the desire that we should have to please him and to walk in his ways. And so we trust that uh, these reminders here from, from James chapter 3 and these verses 13 through 18 will be an encouragement and a challenge to us and that we won't leave uh, going our way without really being changed, asking the Lord to change our hearts to be more like him. Let's close then in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you again for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the wisdom that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, if there's anybody outside of Christ, that you accompany them with restlessness until they rest in him. And we pray, Father, that uh, for those of us who know him, that we realize that uh, there is a way in which we can easily be influenced by the wisdom and the things of this world. Help us, Lord, to follow your word, to obey it, and then to uh, enjoy communion with you as we know that we're seeking to please you in all things. So we thank you for this. We ask your blessing. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen.